0: Episode number one of Monster Kid Radio, Portland's newest podcast. It's the podcast where Karloff is still king, Bella he still lives, and John Agar rules. Welcome to the podcast. My name is Derek M. Cook. I'm the producer of the show. Uh, I'm the main guy on the show. You're going to hear me week after week after week. We're going to have a rotating schedule. Of guests on the show, and for episode one, I've got special guest Chris McMillan. How you doing, Chris?
1: Good. How are you doing?
0: I'm good. I'm good. We're at Wonder Northwest. What do you think of the show?
1: I'm liking it so far. It's It's been a great convention. Really small. You get to see a lot of things. There's not the big crowds. You don't have to wait through people. It's been, it's been a lot of fun.
0: A nice variety of things, too. Oh, yeah. You know I mean, we like our monster movies, but you get your sci-fi stuff. You got a lot of cosplay. There's mm-hmm. all sorts of stuff out there.
1: Yeah, and I finally got to see uh, what was it? Browncoats Redemption, the um, the Serenity fan film. That was that was a lot of fun.
0: Excellent, excellent. Well, uh, with Monster Kid Radio, with what we're doing here, I mean, we're we're doing our first episode. We've got an agenda, scheduled to get to. But before we get into that, I want to let people know that we've got a trivia contest that we're doing. Okay, so so pay special attention because I'm going to kind of sort of give you the answer to the trivia trivia question that we're going to do at the end of the show. Or the episode of what we're doing here, so So pay attention, take notes or something, I don't know. (laughs) Okay, So with Monster Kid Radio, we celebrate the best of the classic and sometimes not so classic genre movies of yesteryear. And our our time frame, our our reference typically is anywhere from the 30s to the 60s. We might toe dip a little bit into the 70s as the show goes along, but for the most part, it's 30s through the 60s, that style of, of genre movie making. As creaky as some of it might be now, we love it. Even the stuff that might not be so good. We, we love it. And we're going to celebrate that here on the show. To kick off what we're doing with Chris McMillan and I, we're going to talk about our top three classic monster movies. Now, we were talking mm. about this before we started recording. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's a tough thing.
0: It's tough. We have our favorites. We might have our favorite, too. But, man, our third, check with us in about half an hour. It'll probably change. Just because we love so many of them.
1: Yeah, my problem was I kept thinking of all these movies and it's like, oh yeah, that was so good. Oh, but I already picked that one. Oh no, <laughs> you know, it just kind of. Uh, I went through so many changes in my mind before I even called him and told him, okay, here's the three I think.
0: Yep, yep. And, and actually, when I told him what my third was to make sure we didn't double up, I've changed it since then. So, <laughs> you know, I had to bump Godzilla. So sorry, kaiju cast. You know, we had to bump Godzilla a little bit. So, but we'll, we'll dive right into it here. Uh, We're going to start with Chris's number three. He's the guest, so he goes first.
1: Oh, well, thank you. Um, I picked um, Jason and the Argonauts. It was the first Ray Harryhausen film I'd ever seen. And, um, you know, I mean, when you get to the, you know, you see the Hydra towards the end, and that was amazing. And I thought, oh, nothing's going to top that. Then you get the children of the Hydra coming out, and when they, you know, the the soundtrack screams for them, that was just it. I mean... You're just like whoa, glued to it. Um, it was just an amazing film. Just so many creatures, so many wonderful moments. Um, and that film is referenced so many times. If you look at uh, the Brandon Fazier remake of the Mummy, the the scene with the skelet- with the mummies is basically the sword fighting scene with the skeletons, just cgi did and not quite as good.
0: <laughs> uh, Army of Darkness.
1: Oh yeah, definitely you know, Sam heavy
0: definite love of Harryhausen. And I think we'd be remiss if we didn't mention at least that we did just lose Ray Harryhausen a couple of weeks ago, Yeah, which uh, is unfortunate. I mean, his impact on pretty much all genre cinema.
1: Oh, everybody who's in special effects now probably started out looking at his work. You know, I mean, it's it's obvious. You, you look at all the effects work's going on, you know, currently, and it's like everybody's given a tribute to Ray in mm-hmm. some movie at some point. So, his 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 work cannot, you know, the importance of it cannot be overstated.
0: I don't think cinema would be where it is now if not for Harryhausen. And you mentioned, you know, special effects. Even something like the Disney film Monsters, Inc. references Harryhausen. Oh, yeah, it's that's the dying, sushi bar, isn't yeah, it? Harryhausen's is the name of the restaurant or whatever. Mm-hmm. So. I mean, it's obvious that, that Harryhausen had an impact on what we do and what we love so much. Um, my, my Harryhausen story, which I'll probably talk about on a future episode in, in <laughs> Monsters Kids Radio, uh, involves a nightmare that I got just by looking at a poster. So, Ooh. Yeah, that, that's a tease for a future episode of MKR down the line. So, uh, when was the first time you saw Jason and the Argonauts?
1: Oh, I don't remember. I was like ten or eleven. It was on a TV show in California where I was where you know I was living at the time, and it was just amazing. You know, I mean. I saw it in black and white the first time because my folks um, did not do color TV for a long time because they were worried about the radiation from it. So <laughs> I had to... It turned out normal. Uh, <laughs> talk to my parents about that one. <laughs> but nice. And then, you know, every time it came on, I you know, because I, I was watching this stuff way before videotapes came out. I would just, every time it was on, I would that would be the movie that had to be playing. You know, I didn't care what else was on. That was it. Yep,
0: yep, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a little bit younger than you, I think, in terms of uh, being able to watch a lot of the stuff on TV mm-hmm. without VCRs, without VHS and all that. So I, I regret that I never grew up watching it that way because I can just imagine, you know, watching it on a black and white TV or whatever and, and just, man.
1: And then you see it in color and your mind's blown. Yeah, yeah, definitely.
0: <laughs> well, you know, my number three, uh, like I said, it, it was Godzilla until about three days ago. So Godzilla's my number four. Just don't tell him because, well, I'd lose in that fight. Um, <laughs> but I also produce a Hammer Films pod, uh, podcast, a monthly Hammer show called 1951 Down Place. And I love my Hammer movies, so I had to mention a Hammer film. as my number three. I went with 1958's The Revenge of Frankenstein. Sorry, Peter Cushing as Frankenstein it was, for my money... I love Colin Clive in the original Frankenstein from Universal. But Peter Cushing is Dr. Frankenstein is my man. I mean that's that's my guy right there. Directed by Terrence Fisher, so it's got that fairy tale kind of feel going to it. And it's hammer, so it's in vivid bloody color. You know, which again it just it hits me where, where I live now. I love that stuff. I love the hammer films.
1: I never got a chance to see hammer films when I was a kid because yeah. um, when I was about in the sixth grade, we moved up here to um, to up to Vancouver, Washington. And Vancouver was not, Portland was not a very big um, market. So they would mostly show, you know, really old movies that you never heard of. And so it wasn't until VHS where I started getting into the Hammer films. And I had seen all the Universal Monsters. And then to see this was just amazing stuff. And Cushing nailed Dr. Frankenstein. I mean, he wasn't a mad scientist. He was like an arrogant bastard. I mean, he didn't yeah. care what he had to do to do his, you know, to, to make his experiments happen. He just did it. It yes. was you know the hell with it all, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and he hit that perfectly.
0: Agreed. Now, see, for me, I grew up well, sort of grew up watching the universals. So I'll talk about, about that here in a bit. I didn't know anything about the Hammer films. I knew who Peter Cushing was because he was in Star Wars, but other than that, I didn't know anything about this stuff. I was working at a video store and. Some radio DJ was there doing some sort of special event, and he knew I liked these classic monster movies, and he starts spouting off Evil of Frankenstein, you know, Taste the Blood of Dracula, and I'm like, what? I don't know what you're talking about. What are these movies? He goes home, comes back, and has like three VHS tapes, an SLP speed, so he's got like <laughs> eight, you know, four movies, eight movies, whatever, crammed onto these tapes, and it's the complete Dracula collection from Hammer, and the complete Frankenstein saga from Hammer, and over the course of like a week, I watched them all in a row and just consumed these movies, and... And I was taken from that point on. I was a Hammer guy, as well as the Universal guy. You know, but man, the Frankenstein films always—you know—it if, if, might be blasphemous to say, but I'm on Team Cushing versus Team Lee. I love Peter Cushing's Frankenstein. <laughs> you know, just man.
1: Well, Lee kind of got you know he he got stuck with a lot of roles that didn't allow him to talk. You know, he had, he was the monster in the original in um, Hammer's first Frankenstein. Oh, for Lee, yeah, Christopher Lee. Yeah, he was um, you know Dracula, and after the horror of Dracula, he never spoke in that role <laughs> <Yeah>. again. So
0: <laughs> the mummy. Know,
1: oh yeah, he was the he was the mummy too. Yep. So you know, he never really got a chance to. He acted, but he never got a chance to do what Cushing got to do, which is just really perform.
0: And, you know, know, we talk about this on my Hammer podcast. When you watch a Peter Cushing film, whether it's Hammer or not, watch his hands
1: because he's always (laughs) doing
0: something with his hands. Even if it's not in the script, they used to call him props Cushing or hot props Cushing because he was always looking for some sort of business to do. While he was performing. And just, it just just adds that extra level of, of completeness to the character.
1: Steve McQueen must have taken lessons. Because if you look at some of his movies, he's yeah. always doing something. Yes, yes. I, I remember that because I saw The Blob over in uh, Florida. My parents recorded it for me when, they, when I was going down. They're like, we have The Blob. Okay.
0: <laughs> Sign me up. Well, so those are our number threes.
1: Mm-hmm. What's your number two? Number two, um, I have to go with The Thing from Another World. The original yes. Howard Hawks movie. Well, I know... Hawks didn't direct it, but uh, his influence is all over it. He's got one of the stronger female characters in a 1950s horror movie there. He's got a lot of the banter that you see in some of his comedies earlier, you know, characters talking over each other, Mm -hmm. rapid-fire dialogue. Mm -hmm. He's developed, you know, that movie's got a lot of tension to it, even though, though, you know, the monster looks kind of silly. But, you know, I mean, it's James Arness looking kind of like Frankenstein's monster with claws, but <laughs> they, they develop it so well. Yeah. And um, even to this day, when I'm watching that movie and the Geiger counter starts going up and they're reading it off, they still feel those little chills down my spine because oh, yeah. you know it's coming. And, um, you know, when they open up the doorway to the greenhouse and bam, wow. That, just amazing film work. And it works so well. It just... You know, everything worked so well in that movie. It was just, it's classic.
0: You mentioned Howard Hawks. It's on record. It's directed by Christian Nyby, but it is definitely a Hawks film, you know, especially if you look at, uh, like, the isolation of the characters. It's got some Western things going on. It's just, it's a fantastic movie. And, you know, you mentioned the stronger female characters, and I I want to address that, I think, because a lot of the 50s, especially 50s B-movies, well, heck, you know, even going back to the 30s and 40s, a lot of the movies we're going to cover on Monster Kid Radio. We acknowledge that sometimes women roles probably aren't as fleshed out as some of the men roles. It's a product of the time. yeah, and I don't think we can really hold the movies at fault now looking at these movies and appreciating them for what they are because they're a snapshot of what society was at the time, right
1: yeah, and it, and if you look at uh, a few of them, I mean, okay Kenneth Toby, who was the um, hero in the thing, he was also in um, one of Ray Harryhausen's films the uh, what it came from beneath the sea, mm-hmm. uh, the Giant octopus, well. You know, six-tentacled octopus. Um, He, those two movies, he played against really strong female characters for the time. I mean, Margaret Sheridan in The Thing was, you know, she wasn't the obligatory person, you know, woman who's supposed to go, ah, and scream and be threatened by the monster. Um, She actually figures out how to kill him. You know, she comes up with the idea. Um, It came from beneath the sea. You know, Kenneth Toby meets this female marine biologist and figures, oh, well, she's going to drop everything. And she wants to keep her career. Um, You know, it was changing slowly. I mean, women back in the 50s were actually getting to play doctors grad students um and all of that i mean their roles in the movies what they were supposed to do didn't change much but it was starting and, right. and it's interesting to watch those movies and take a look at that
0: yeah and just something to kind of throw out there it's, it's one of those things about these types of movies that sometimes turn some folks off so i just want to throw that out there and oh yeah you i know mean, just absorb it for what it is and recognize you know where things were at the time but now we're getting awfully serious. Let's talk some more about the women's Yeah, big, I, I, I went
1: long-winded. Sorry.
0: No, no, no. I, <laughs> I, I brought it up. So uh, let, let's go from you know the women's right movement in film to giant scorpions. My number oh, yeah. two movie is The Black Scorpion from 1957, directed by Edward Ludwig. Man, I love this film. Uh, it's <laughs> stop-motion scorpion effects. A giant scorpion. Actually, there's more, more than one giant scorpion terrorizing Mexico. By Willow O'Brien, the man who did the King Kong stop-motion effects, did the black scorpion in this. Except for the close-ups. For whatever reason, the studio decided they needed some close-ups, and they brought in somebody to do a black scorpion puppet head that Uh looks a little silly.
1: A (laughs) little silly?
0: (laughs) You know, it's it's added to the movie's charm over the years, but, you know, whatever. It's got some great stop-motion effects. And I love this movie because it's got one of my favorite actors from these types of movies in it, and that's Richard Denning.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: Who would uh, become the husband of Evelyn Anchors, who appeared in The Wolf Man with Lon Chaney Jr. And I believe she was also in Son of Dracula.
1: I think you're right.
0: Yeah. Now, Evelyn Anchors was at one point called the Queen of the Bees. Uh, she did not like Lon Chaney Jr.
1: No, I remember reading yeah. that they did not get along. Even though, if you watch the movie, um, their chemistry really clicks yeah. in that film. They were really I mean, hard. they worked well together, but apparently, they weren't very happy. They weren't very. Um, Compatible off-screen.
0: But she did like Richard Denning. Like I said, they got married. So, uh, But Richard Denny's one of my favorite actors. Uh, he is in a movie we're going to talk about here in a second. Mm-hmm. Uh, but The Black Scorpion, like I said, it's Mexico, giant black scorpions rampaging. What more do you need? I mean, and, that's that's the movie.
1: And some great stop motion. Yeah.
0: Oh, it's so good. Well, we, we, we kind of came together on our number one.
1: Yeah, and this was not intended. I no. just said, this is my number <laughs> one. And, and Derek's like, oh, it's mine, too. Perfect. So... It is The
0: Creature from the Black Lagoon. My favorite movie, hands down, period, of all time. I like it better than anything else. I spent last weekend at the drive in, two <laughs> nights in a row to watch it at the drive in in 3D.
1: Oh, it's great. Yeah, movie. how's a oh. look? Yeah, it was raining,
0: but it was great. Yeah, isn't it great?
1: Oh, I'm sorry it was raining for you, though.
0: Yeah. You know, it drizzled on us the first night, but, you know, it's it's the Black Lagoon. It's wet. It's okay. There's rain.
1: Whatever. <laughs> it adds to when they're underwater, it looks like they're underwater even more now with yeah. the rain on the windshield.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Now, Richard Denny's in Creature from the Black Lagoon. Uh, he is one of the scientists, the one who's very big game hunter about the whole thing. Mm.
1: Uh,
0: it's also about Richard Carlson. and Yeah. Julie Adams, who I will refer to more than once through the course of this podcast and, well, just in general conversation. She's my 50s girlfriend. I've got a mad-on crush for her, and I'll just throw that out there right now. Sorry.
1: Sorry. Well, oh. I got to agree with him. I mean, yeah. when she walks out, in that, she she rocks that white one-piece suit, which <laughs> w- which for the time actually was, they were worried about because yeah. it's so high cut on the hips that they weren't sure they were going to be able to get it on the screen past, you know, the motion picture board. Right. Um, I mean, it's it
0: a now, but I mean, back then.
1: Back then, it was like, really?
0: Well, it, I, I have that reaction when I see it now.
1: Well, so do I. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But um, what's really – one thing, if you go uh, – well, everybody, I'm assuming, has uh, internet. Go on the internet. Um, Life magazine yes. did a photo spread of uh, – to um, – to publicize Creature from Black Lagoon. I don't think they ever made it into Life Magazine, but someone got a hold of the photos. They're all online now. It's the Man. It's Julia, Julia Adams. I mean, it's great stuff.
0: Uh, Kerry Gemmel, who is an artist, did a lot of comic book work. He's also a self-proclaimed monster kid, uh, restored some of those photos as well, touched them up, made them look even better. So if you go look him up online as well, you'll find them, and the pictures are gorgeous.
1: Yeah, there's one of the creature coming out of the water. It's just, it's yeah. it's awesome.
0: Now, this movie's got a lot more going for it than just Julie Adams in the swimsuit. I mean, this is, in my opinion, the bridge between the Universal monster romps and the Universal sci-fi films. I mean, because Universal would move into doing sci-fi in the 50s with the Deadly Mantis, Tarantula, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, this has got your classic monster, you've got your sci-fi elements, you've got some great direction, courtesy oh. of Jack Arnold, oh, yeah. who you know, when it comes to universal sci-fi movies, I mean, Jack Arnold is one of the
1: masters. And shooting underwater with those 3D rigs, you know what I mean? There's like two cameras in this underwater box that they had to manipulate around. Just, and, and Rico Browning, I mean.
0: Yeah, so the creature's played by two guys, and I don't know... I I don't know what the the level of knowledge is here, and I'm not trying to insult anybody by saying this, but there are two guys, if you didn't know, that played the creature in the first film. Uh, Rico Browning was the swimmer. He was all the underwater stuff. And Ben Chapman Mm -hmm. uh, was the guy above ground. Uh, Two different guys, uh, slightly different builds, but it doesn't matter.
1: Well, if you look closely on, you know, when when they're on land, the chest is a little broader and built out. And if you look underwater, it's not quite as big because Ben Chapman was a big guy.
0: He was a big guy. And Rico Browning was a professional swimmer and diver type. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, he was slim and lean and was able to do a lot of the underwater work because of his background with swimming. He would go on to do some other movies. He appeared in uh, Revenge of the Creature as well as The Creature. He would also create the TV show Flipper. Um, So (laughs) Rico Browning had a, a... Interesting career path. I had a chance to meet with him a couple of years ago, I think maybe last year or so, at Crypticon Seattle. Oh, nice. Really nice guy. So,
1: and, and he really made the creature work. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Man. You know, I mean, um, Ben Chapman looked great on land, but if it wasn't for his swimming ability... Some of those underwater sequences just wouldn't have come off well. It wouldn't have worked as well as it did. The underwater ballet between him and Julia Adams, who... It wasn't Julia Adams. I forget who it was, who was... um, It was a double. Yeah, it was a double. I don't remember her name. I'd like to, because I'd like to give her credit, but I don't remember her right now. That was amazing work. I mean, it just just worked so well.
0: You add the visuals of that scene, the underwater uh, cinematography, the 3D effects, and then the music... It is a wonderful Beauty and the Beast moment set Mm -hmm. to this underwater ballet. You call it a ballet. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. it's exactly what it is. Now, Creature would spawn two sequels, Revenge of the Creature, and then The Creature Walks Among Us. Uh, Are you familiar with the other two movies? Oh, yeah. I've
1: got the Legacy Collection at home. Are you kidding me?
0: (laughs) I I love Revenge of the Creature because it's got one of my favorite B-movie actors in it. Uh, And then Creature Walks Among Us is off formula
1: in that... He de- he's not underwater.
0: Not very much. No, he's in it for like a second, and then he changes. He evolves. And I don't want to spoil it. If you haven't seen it, I recommend you check it out. But Creature Walks Among Us is very interesting because there's a lot of story elements going on that have absolutely nothing to do with the creature. You know, there, there's a potential adultery angle or a, a weird relationship, domestic, mm-hmm. near abuse situation going on. And, you know, it's just fascinating film for the 50s.
1: Yeah, and, and it really wrapped up the series well because... The end, I'm not going to give away the ending, but it would work if they wanted to do another sequel, but it also brought the series to a close really nicely. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it really did. And it, you really feel yeah. for the creature at the yeah, end.
0: Yeah. I mean, the Gill Man is one of those iconic creatures, probably one of the last iconic creatures created by Universal's, mm-hmm. uh, the Universal Monster Machines. So. Yeah. Now, my first experience with a lot of these movies uh, were through, or was through a series of books like this from Crestwood House. It uh, came... Uh, <laughs> I found these in the kids section of the local library. I would bike down to the local library on the weekend because I was a geek and would go to the library for fun <laughs> and go through the kids section and, and find I found this the series of these thin hardback orange covered books and each one was about Frankenstein or Dracula or Godzilla or Mad Scientist or it came from outer space the mummy. It always had King Kong on the back on the back page. I don't know if you can see it. I suggest you read about my friends and then would list all the others. Uh, over the years, I've added a couple of these to my collection. You know, going on eBay, looking at used book sales and things. Uh, but I, I first became aware of these movies through these books. I hadn't even heard of them until I saw these books, and then I checked them all out, read them, consumed them, became a voracious fan, just reading about them, and then finally saw the movies when I had access to uh, my own VHS collection. And well, that was that for me.
1: Yeah, I I, I would catch them on TV um, down in California, and then not so much up here. Like I said, when I was living in um Portland. When I moved up here, it wasn't a big market. We got a lot of the um, what would they be called? Um, non copyright, you yeah, know, this public stuff. Public domain. Yeah. This stuff you find in the big Mill Creek collection. They would always show those things <laughs> late night. Yeah. So you know, I mean, the nice thing is I got to see Horror Express when I was really young. That was yeah. fun. Yeah. And, and they didn't cut it.
0: Yeah, I mean, a lot of the public domain horror films now. Um, There's been a real... And this is probably a topic for a future episode of Monster Kid Radio. There's been a resurgence, especially online, of the horror host phenomenon Mm -hmm. over the past several years Um, (laughs) that they've been able to dive into the Mill Creek collection and just really present some of these movies that have fallen into public domain that... By all rights, somebody should be making money off them because they're good. Like White Zombie, starring Bela Lugosi. Oh, yeah. I mean, for crying out loud, that's a classic film. Yeah. Horror Express has slipped into public domain. And that's a fantastic Christopher yeah. Peter cushing film.
1: I mean, yeah, that's that's a great one. Yeah. And Telly Savalas is the Cossack? Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. You, <laughs> you wouldn't
0: think it would work, but, man, it does. If
1: you haven't seen that one, you've got to go find it.
0: Horror Express. It just had a great Blu-ray release not too long ago. Cleaned up. Looks awesome. Sounds Great. Uh, The music is fantastic, Mm -hmm. you know, so. um, But those are our top threes. And and like we said at the beginning of this, ask me about half an hour, I'll probably change my number three to something else. But my my top two are going to be, you know, Creature as well as The Black Scorpion, just because I love those two movies so much.
1: I have about eight movies tied for number three. I had to pick one.
0: What were some some of the other ones that you went through?
1: Um, Well, I was was going through King Kong. Yep. Which is just amazing work um just stunning that was one of the you know that was the first stop motion movie i ever saw um psycho which mm-hmm. ushered in an entirely new wave of horror films and i'm not talking slasher i'm just not it's a different kind just a different yeah. kind um Oh, what else was there? There were so many. I, seventh Voyages in bed I was thinking about, yep. you know, but I had to go with Jason the Argonauts because those skeletons are just so damn scary when you're young.
0: <laughs> you know, like I said, I went with Godzilla. Um, I wanted to go with Abbott oh, and Costello. Oh, that would be Cost- a good one, yeah. the original. I wanted to go with Abbott and Costello and Frankenstein, but I thought, oh, yeah. you know, I've already got Creature. There's my Universal. I should do something different. You know, And I could have dipped into any of my Hammer catalog just because I have such a, a love for the Hammer films. And the oh. Amicus films, Witchfinder General with Vincent Price is oh, another Tales one. Oh, from the
1: Crypt, the, um, the original Ham- Amicus yes. film. Yes. Wow.
0: Yes. So, I mean, there's a ton of great stuff out there. Mm-hmm. A lot of it's public domain. And a lot of it's cheap because the studios don't know what they have. So they'll put out a bare-bones edition of it. Yeah, you don't get the special features, but for 10 bucks, you can get a decent movie. But you're going to watch more than once. I promise you.
1: Oh, yeah. So Definitely.
0: You know, we wanted to offer or open up for a Q&A for anybody an opportunity to ask any questions about classic monster movies, the podcast, what, you raised your hand? Uh, well, you mentioned, uh, you know, Vincent Price, but what
1: about the Dr. Fives? So oh, she's asking about Dr. Dr. Fibes, Vincent Price films. Oh, geez, yeah. So they're, ca- they're kind awesome. of the prototype
0: Saw movies, aren't they?
1: Pretty much.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of really good stuff happening in those movies that, you know, I, I think they play just as well now. Yeah, I...
1: I- I love the first one. I mean, yeah. the second one, I thought bringing him back was a little bit of a stretch, but the first one is just amazing. And yep. it just gives him that opportunity to ham up everything. <laughs> um, and yeah, the biblical plague motif, awesome. Yeah. Just who would have, I mean, that's just sick and twisted.
0: Well, and that's something that I, I can't imagine any other actor from that time period pulling that off. Uh, Vincent Price, love him. But let's be honest, he's a little hammy, choose the scenery a little bit, but we love him for it, right? As Doctor though, so, I mean that's one of his iconic characters. I feel like.
1: So. Yeah, he got to, he got to play that again, and you know that type of character again in a couple of movies like um, what was it, uh, Theater of Blood? Yes. With uh, I think that was the one with Diana Rigg's, where the Shakespearean actor. Yes. <laughs> oh man, he just chewed up the scenery in that, and it's great. Oh, house. house oh, of the wax. original. That mm-hmm. was one. That was one of the third ones. My mm-hmm. my third tie. The original. See, and
0: I almost went with the fly for one of my thirds. So. Oh,
1: that would be a good one too. So.
0: You know, and, you know, speaking of The Fly, if I can throw this out there, I've actually recorded about six episodes worth of this podcast already with with other guests and such. A future episode will feature a discussion of The Fly with illustrator Devin Devereaux. So that'll be Ooh. coming down the line. And you mentioned King Kong earlier. Oh, yeah. The Hollywood Theater is playing King Kong here in Portland. We're going to crash that. We're going to do a Monster Kid Radio crash <laughs> event. Basically just means we all go to the Hollywood and watch a movie together, maybe have pizza beforehand. but. Check out monsterkidradio.net for details on that, or find us on Facebook or whatever. I'll create an event for that.
1: And, um, well, just to plug myself, if you don't mind. um, Please do, because I forgot to do it. Oh, that's okay. (laughs) Um, I write a uh, blog called The Shadow Over Portland. If you just Google The Shadow Over Portland, it'll come up. Or, excuse me, go to shadowoverportland.blogspot.com. Um, I've got, I try to list all the horror events, you know, things that might interest people who like monster movies and stuff, um, that are happening in the Pacific North, what, Portland, Seattle, Tacoma, I'm going to be mentioning something that's happening in Denver real soon, just because, um, I also try to have, I have a horror calendar where I try to make sure you can see the trailers of all the movies coming up. Yes. Um, Hollywood is doing some amazing stuff. This 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 summer they've got um, King Kong. The following weekend is going to be the Seventh Voyage of Sinbad. Both of those we're going to crash
0: that too. Oh yeah, both of those (laughs) in thirty-five
1: millimeters, so it's not digital. And then I think it's the weekend after that they're doing American Werewolf in London. And somewhere in between all of that, they're doing a summer camp um, program where they're showing what is it? Sleepaway Cabin, Friday the Thirteenth Part Four, and The Burning. (laughs) <laughs> I'm not sure if those are going to be 35 millimeter or not. Just check out my website, and I'll let you know as sure. soon as I do.
0: And what we'll do is we'll have a link to his website on our website over at monsterkidradio.net. So, and uh, vice versa. Yeah, so you can always find him if you find us you know, either online or on our Facebook page or any of that. So, uh, Any other questions about anything monster movie related?
1: <laughs> oh, one more, yeah. What's up?
0: Oh, yeah. oh the attack of the mushroom people. Mushroom, the attack of the mushroom, the Japanese? Yeah.
1: Oh, I have not seen that.
0: God, I haven't seen it in a long time. Is it worth a revisit? Yeah. yeah? Okay. I'll have to check that out.
1: Yeah, no, it's, that's one of those that I that I want to see, but just there are so many movies out there that you can get on DVD. Thank goodness for that now that I want to get, I want to buy, I want to own, um, but I'm not going to go, you know, I'm not streaming them in and trying to save my, my computer. I want the hard, I want the yeah. DVD yeah. Want, or the Blu-ray. Um, and that's one of those I have to find because that just looks. Some of the Japanese sci-fi ones are just really well done, and I'm not talking Godzilla. There was one
0: Godzilla's well done. Why don't you, oh, Godzilla well back? Done.
1: I'm just. <laughs> I, I said I'm not just talking <laughs> okay, Godzilla. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, there are some. There are some amazing Japanese horror films. I'm yeah. trying to remember Monster the Island. Mm-hmm.
0: Monster Island. Okay.
1: There's also one about an alien invasion, a plane crash. I can't remember the name of it, Um, but some disturbing special effects for the time and a really nihilistic ending. I mean, the ending is not a happy one. And it was just... I'd never heard it. I just caught it, I think, on Hulu, and it was just fabulous. If I can remember the name, I'll mention it, but I'm blanking on it now.
0: You mentioned... um You know, all these movies are on DVD and you want to add them all. The nice thing about a lot of these movies is they're not not making these anymore. They're not making them anymore. I mean, we're out of the 50s and 60s. They're not making these movies for the most part. There are some filmmakers these days who do revisit the 50s style of filmmaking, like Christopher Armin, who made the movie The Giant Spider, which I'm going to give away in a trivia contest. Let's see. Let's do uh, a raising of a hand. Whoever raises their hand first will get called, okay? Let's do it that way. Don't just shout out the answer. Trivia contest for a copy of the movie The Giant Spider. Brand new movie about, well, the all giant right. spider.
1: Someone's got his hand already. You ready?
0: You ready? Okay. Well, if you don't win one, I'm selling them for 10 bucks a pop at the table out there. So, All right. Somebody has just had a 100th birthday today. Yes, sir. Peter Cushing's birthday is today 100 years old. You get a copy of The Giant Spider, sir? Uh, hey, hey. Yeah, there you go. There you go. And you know what? I, I want to give another one away. I want to give another one away. So our slogan at Monster Kid Radio, like I said, it's where Karloff is still king, Bela Lugosi still lives, and John Agar still rules. I think I might have actually accidentally mentioned this in our talk, but what is the big bug movie starring John Agar?
1: Uh-oh. Uh-oh.
0: People are going to have to listen to future episodes of Monster Kid Radio to find out, huh? Well, give them a hint. Give them a hint? Um, it's, It's... it's it's a spider like movie. It's a spider movie. It's not called the spider, but tarantula. It is, sir.
1: There you go. That's
0: right. There you go. Another another wonderful film which I'm covering on a future episode with the horror host Doctor Gang Green out of uh, Tennessee. Oh, really? Yeah, I've already recorded that episode. His real name's Larry Underwood. Uh, he's an author as well, a friend of mine, and, and we talked about John Agar Goodness wrapped around a giant spider for about an hour and a half. That'll be coming out in future episodes.
1: Yeah, and if you watch that movie, listen to the soundtrack because it's going to sound real familiar at times.
0: You know, that's something about a lot of the Universal movies, actually. Mm -hmm. Especially from the 50s, music from Creature would show up in other movies, including movies that they would distribute. King Kong vs. Godzilla has music from Creature from the Black Lagoon if you watch the American cut. (laughs) Obviously, the Japanese release wouldn't have had that. But once we got our hands on it and added some seeds with the American newscaster... Uh, up in a news station somewhere or other, they they dumped in some music from Creature, especially when the giant octopus attacks.
1: Yeah, I, I and tarantula, the the creature sting every time the spider dun, comes dun, on, dun. it's yeah. there.
0: I'm gonna I'm gonna put that in in post production of this episode. I'll, I'll throw <laughs> that in there so people know what I'm talking about. So.
1: It, it's yeah, it's really funny how they recycle a lot of the music, but you know, I mean, from what I understand, well, you did. I think I heard it on that podcast you did for um, uh, B Movie Cast. Yeah, um, the that was. The creature was one of the one of the few movies that they actually had to do a lot of music for. And if you watch it, it's because it's underwater. You know, there's no dialogue in that, so they there's a lot of music, yeah. And they just like to recycle.
0: Well, mm-hmm. it's cheaper, it's economical, and mm-hmm. I mean, these movies weren't given the biggest budgets. I mean, these were B movies. They were monster movies, and they weren't really treated with the kind of respect that I suppose we all wish they were. I mean, even now, horror movies aren't the class act.
1: You know, and that's just
0: <laughs> how it is. We don't care.
1: <laughs> we'll still go see him
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: You know, I mean, well, hopefully that'll change this summer.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we got, what, Pacific Rim coming? Yeah. Yeah. So, and then the new Godzilla next year, so. Uh,
1: I'm not holding my breath on that one. But we'll see. We'll, we'll see. see.
0: <laughs> Anybody have any other questions about, about uh, classic, want to st- throw anything out? Yes, ma'am. What's your position on the newish? So, so she's asking about uh, like the sci-fi movies, I assume, like you know, Two-Headed Shark Attack and Sharktopus and, okay. and uh, the, the upcoming Sharknado. Sharknado.
1: Oh, I can't <laughs> wait for that one. I'm so looking forward to it. I
0: go into these movies knowing exactly what they are. They're cash grabs based on a movie poster. But really, that's what they were before. I mean there's a joke in the movie Ed Wood starring Johnny Depp where Ed Wood's trying to get a job directing a movie and he asks the, the guy the producer do you have a script? No, but I got a poster. I mean that's that's how this genre has been for a long time. You know, it's so yeah. with CG now, that's all.
1: You know, uh- Roger Corman would build an entire movie around just an, uh, one single set piece or just the name of something. You know, hey, I've got this great <laughs> title. Go write something. I've and got in two Boris days,
0: Karloff for two extra days. Let's shoot something. Yeah, like
1: you that. know, I mean, this it was all just, you know, seat of the pan stuff. And, I yeah. mean, granted, these movies have a bigger budget than, like, most of Roger Corman's early ones. But they're still the same idea. It's just a stupid, fun monster movie which you know i'm all for um i like those they're 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 not classics no no <laughs> no they're easily forgetful but if you got a bunch of people around and you're having a couple of beers. Perfect. You know, and I'll, I'll watch them
0: once or twice, but I'll be honest, I am a purist. So I'll go back to my original black and white stuff. But, I mean, I, I do like them for what they are.
1: Well, I you know? still have my copy of Mega Piranha, which makes me laugh hysterically every time. Dude,
0: the title Sharknado alone. Oh, yeah. Sharknado. I, am,
1: I heard that. was I saw the poster for that online, and I'm like, oh, this has to be a reality. It's tornado <laughs> with sharks. <laughs> I don't know how they're going to. Oh, and you know what? I it is how they do it. It is coming out starring Tara Reed. This is going to be what I like to call crap-tastic. <laughs> it's going to be great. Yes. Anyway, I think we had somebody way in the back.
0: Yes, sir. Ah, uh, Okay, so the question is, he's oh. asking about the gimmicks of the William Castle films. I
1: wish I had been around when they were in the theaters. Man,
0: how <laughs> oh. amazing would that have been? How you know, amazing to, to, I know. to have your seat zapped at just the right or moment. Or
1: just the skeleton from uh, House on Haunted Hill coming out in Emerge. You know, I mean, all it is is a skeleton on a wire, but right. still.
0: You know, and, and I wonder sometimes if we've kind of romanticized how awesome it would have been, because I wonder really how much money was thrown into that stuff back then. But, man, to have the opportunity to see a movie like that, presented that way,
1: mm-hmm. sign that,
0: me up. I'd be there every night.
1: You know, if, if if a theater in this area was showing it that way, oh, yeah, I'd be there. I'd, yeah. I'd, I'd be there. So if, be.
0: so if anybody knows of any theaters, I'd be willing to, you know, rig up a bunch of seats with some buzzers and such. <laughs> Sense Around, that's one of the... the oh, know,
1: yeah, the well, even, uh, heavy he, bass rumble thing.
0: Well, even Harryhausen had kind of a, you know, he called it dynamation instead of animation. Yeah. You know, just the different things here and there. But yeah, the, I love the castle stuff, man.
1: Oh, yeah, William Castle stuff, great. I mean, you know, House on Haunted... You know, you get to see Vincent Price on acid in The Tingler. I mean, <laughs> how can you not like that? You
0: can't you, miss that up. You, yeah. can, you can't pass that up. you really? got to
1: see it. He's He's... LSD tripping, you know, as the character. I'm sure he right. wasn't actually doing it, but...
0: They, they might not have had the budget for that. No. <laughs> or, I don't know how you put that on a budget. I don't know what, what kind of...
1: That would be an I, awful yeah. hard tax write-off when the IRS goes, yeah. so what is this for? Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, any other questions, or... Yes, sir? What's your favorite Vincent Price portrayal? Favorite Vincent Price portrayal.
1: Uh, oh. That's like asking me what my top three <laughs> movies <in
0: this>. are. <laughs> I really like him. I think maybe because I've seen it most recently. I like him in The Fly a lot. I find him to be, I mean, he's he's Vincent Pricey, but he's also sympathetic in that one as well, and seems really torn about a lot of things happening in there. So I feel like in, in that film, Price gets to do more acting wise instead of just, hey, I'm Vincent Price, you know, not not to belittle what he does in House of Haunted Hill or anything, because those movies are great. But I think The Fly for me,
1: I would have to go with uh, with. The Pit in the Pendulum. Oh. That he... Yes. Oh, man, when he goes crazy towards the end, he's just hamming it up and ripping up the scenery and just doing such a magnificent job. Yes. Uh, you know, I mean, you watch him and you watch some of the other actors around him and you're like, whoa, you know, they're, they're just in a class. He's in a class above everyone in that, except for maybe Barbara Steele, but she wasn't in it very much, <laughs> unfortunately.
0: Well, you put Vincent Price in a Corman production.
1: Oh yeah. And
0: yeah, there's a gold right there. That that equals awesome. You wanna say something? What about the
1: uh, Price and The
0: Last Man on Earth? The Last Man
1: on Earth. Oh yeah.
0: You know, uh, Price and the Last Man on Earth. When was the last time you saw that? It's been a while for
1: me. Uh, I saw it a couple of years ago over at the Over at the Hollywood Theater if you like old movies go to the keep your eye on Well, keep your eye on my blog site. There you go. But also <laughs> uh, you can look at the Hollywood Theater cuz they showed it in, in a double feature with the Omega Man. I mean, you got <laughs> Vincent Price hamming it up. You got Charlton Heston going crazy.
0: How, how do you? It's like chocolate and peanut butter not quite mixing together for me. I don't know. That's
1: yeah. It, know. it was it was something interesting. But um, yeah, no, that was a good, that was a good portrayal. I think he did a really good version of it. Um, I don't think Richard Matheson was very happy with it anyway. But um,
0: you know, I think it's my favorite of the three adaptations of I Am Legend.
1: Oh yeah, it's it, well. I don't know. the.
0: Although Charlton Heston's got something. The Omega I mean, I Man one,
1: I saw before when I was a kid, before uh-huh. I saw okay, um, Last Man on Earth. So that one's got a place in my heart because it's just so over-the-top silly. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, but it's it works. It works well. I think I saw that gentleman over there.
0: So the remake of The Creature from the Black Lagoon, they've... Talked about it off and on over the years. Last I heard, and then I stopped paying attention because it upset me. (laughs) The last I heard, Michael Eisner's kid was going to do it at one point. Uh, Was it Brett Eisner? I don't remember his first name. Um, I I don't know if it's still going to happen. I mean, it might. It's universal, and they tend not to really know what they've got when it comes to their classic monster collection. Um, Oh, yeah. When it comes to exploiting their properties, they seem to think remakes are the best way to go instead of just celebrating what they already have and putting out the best editions possible of what they've already got.
1: I don't know if it's going to happen, especially yeah. after the uh, the Wolfman.
0: The Wolfman, um, you know, I think that's that's what we got to look at, is how the last one did. That's what they yeah. care about, you know, what's what's going to bring in the money.
1: And and honestly, I know what they were trying to do, but it just didn't work. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, and, and so I don't think we're going to see a creature very soon, if at all, because that one didn't do well. And if we do, it's going to end up doing what they're doing there. They've rebooted their monster line with direct-to-DVD movies. I think it's called Werewolf the Creature Among Us or something like that, which just you guys don't know what you got.
0: Um, If they do it, it'll be CG. It'll be a CG thing. you know, And and, and that'll that'll take something away from it for me because part of the reason I like some of these movies is because it's so hands-on. You know somebody like a Paul Blaisdell or a Millicent who worked on Creature from the Black Lagoon Mm -hmm. or Jack Pierce or any of these guys. You know these guys sweated into these makeups and these monsters. Mm -hmm. And I know CG has its place, but... You know, there's a big difference between some guy on a keyboard and Harryhausen hunched over a workshop table making the skeletons move, you know. And I I don't want to see a CGI creature.
1: Well, you know, I don't have a problem with CGI, even bad CGI.
0: Okay, you're off the show.
1: Oh, no. No, let me (laughs) – you know, like – Would I have preferred Ray Harryhausen to do a version of Sharktopus? Yeah. You know, (laughs) that would have been awesome. But, you know, the movie was fun. It was okay. It was a low-budget, cheap throwaway thing. But I think too often that's the go-to. Just do CGI because it's cheaper... The studios have more control over it, you know, because it's not like Ray Harryhausen in his studio for, you know, six weeks coming out and going, here it is in the studio head going, well, I think we should change it. It's like, okay, it's going to take another six weeks and this much money. You know, they can just go on a keyboard and click it away. Exactly. Um, I think what they really should be doing is what uh, Guillermo del Toro did in Pan's Labyrinth, where they combined CGI with some amazing practical effects. Sure. Um, because that's that works so much better. Practical effects, you know, they, they do have a... You can't do it all the time, but when you can, I really think you should, especially for, you know, human-sized creatures. It just works better. Um, like I said, I'm not say, I'm not against CGI. I have no problem with it. I want to see the giant robot beat the giant monster over the head with a cargo ship and uh, Pacific Rim, and I know that's mostly CGI. But still, if you're going to redo the creature, you need... A human in a suit.
0: You need something there. I feel like there's so much of a a human element that makes that movie work to begin with. I mean, obviously it's a monster, it's a creature, whatever, but it's a Beauty and the Beast thing. Yeah. And there's some real human emotions happening there. You and I were talking earlier um, about how, from a certain point of view, we're the bad guys in that movie. We went to his home. We have a scientist trying to take him out, either kill him or capture him and take him out. So I mean, there's a lot of humanity in that monster that I don't know you can if you can get with CGI.
1: It would be tough, and also, you know, I mean, there's just it would just seem weird to me, and yeah. that's because I love the movie so much, and yeah. that's that's my bias. I'll stand by it, though.
0: Yeah, although the bikinis would be a lot more revealing in the remake. We, yeah,
1: you don't need that. Yeah. Anything any other, else? Any other
0: questions? Or yes, sir. Did Carpenter do the redesign on that?
1: Yeah,
0: it was they were based on the drawings they were going to do with Carpenter's it. Okay, okay. Ah. So that he's asking about the uh, the redesign of the Gill Man in Monster Squad. I liked it. Which I didn't realize were, desi- were based on Carpenter's design. Stan Winston did the effects in the film, right? Yeah. Right. So I, I love the Monster Squad. Um, it's a great film. I think it's a great throwback. You know, we kind of look back at some of these movies with, with a lot of love and respect without cheapening them. Mm-hmm. I was a little disappointed that the gill man got taken out so quick. But, he, you know, when you think about it, you know, he's not a vampire, he's not a werewolf, he's, a, he, he's uh,
1: the gill man. He's a gill man, so shoot him and you're
0: good, right? <laughs> but uh, no, I thought it looked all right. I, I like there's a few moments in that movie, especially towards the end, where he's kinda of huffing and puffing and the gills are going and it's a real really reminiscent of Ben Chapman doing the same thing in the
1: original film. Yeah, and it was one of those situations where they couldn't really use the Gill Man because it wasn't Universal's property. You know, they were doing the monster. They had monster to tweak it just a little yeah. bit,
0: so it wasn't quite,
1: yeah. And they tweaked everybody. I mean, Frankenstein doesn't really look like, you know, the Frankenstein top, we all know. Yeah. But still, I thought it was a great design. I, it, you knew, if you knew about the creature from Black Lagoon, you knew who the Gill Man was.
0: Right, you knew what, exa- what they were going for without saying it. So. Yeah. The Monster Squad's great. We should talk about that on a future episode. Oh, definitely. I, I think we will.
1: Uh, that's we're, one I've of actually,
0: those... Yeah, I've actually started boom. talking to people about doing that. So. That's one of those movies
1: where you're not going to make that again because you've got kids cussing, smoking. Yeah. You, you can't do that those
0: nowadays. Those are the kids that I would have hung out with, man. It's, uh, yeah. I would have wanted to anyway. They probably would have scared me off. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Anybody any other, else? Any other
0: comments or thoughts? I don't know how we're doing on time.
1: Two oh, min- oh, two well. minutes. Well, good timing.
0: So I have a table set up out there in Podcaster Alley. I've got the Monster Kid Radio banner set up. Um, if you want to come by and talk monster movies, feel free. Uh, if you want to flip through my, my Crestwood House creature, that's cool. Just make sure you leave it there when you're done because it's mine. Um, I'm also selling copies of Christopher Mims' movies, The Giant Spider, as well as seven other movies that he's done over the past uh, eight years. They're $10 a piece, uh, four for 30 or all 8 for 60 They are all done in the style of the old 50s movies. They're a lot of fun. Um, Giant Spider just had its world premiere a couple of days ago. So I'm there talking about those and just loving my monster movies. And Chris, thank you for being here, man.
1: My pleasure. Uh, Please follow me. As I said, I write The Shadow Over Portland. I'm currently working on... uh, I've gone through the entire franchise of Final Destination movies. My next movie up, though, um, for review once I get those done, is going to be Sugar Hill, which is the greatest black blaxploitation zombie movie ever made. <laughs> it's awesome. And so um, I also will have listings of all the horror events, you know, sci-fi, fantasy, and stuff um, on the website every... I try to do it every Thursday. Sometimes I'm a little late. But please, keep uh, keep looking on it.
0: And he's... What about Blackula?
1: Blackula. Uh, well, I don't have Blackula yet. Well, we should, I, maybe we should do black
0: blackila on the show, though. Do well, like a monster, you
1: know, everything. monster black exploitation because you got Doctor Jekyll uh, or the, you got uh,
0: Blackenstein. Blackenstein. Yeah. What is
1: it? Doctor Jekyll and there was the Doctor Jekyll one with um, Ernie that. Casey was in it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I can't remember the name of it, but there's so many of those yeah. out there. Uh, I'm but that is one. That's that's a good one.
0: We should do a whole series, like a, like a theme month. There you go. In February, perhaps. <laughs> anyway, uh, at the end of the month, I am presenting, introducing a movie called Horror Rises from the Tomb at the Clinton Street Theater. It's uh, from the 70s. It stars Paul Naschy. Uh, I will be there presenting that. Not quite horror host style because it's just me, but you know, we'll talk about the movie and then show the movie and, and do that, and that's going to be the midnight movie Friday night, so it's like five bucks. So uh, you know, I invite you to join me out there as well and then monster kid radio is live and on the air starting next week we're in itunes already you can subscribe to us there we'll be in stitcher as well for your your smartphones as well as our website facebook page and group where we uh well we're all over we're ready to launch this thing and, and get this machine running so thank you for joining us for our premiere recording of episode one of monster kid radio thank you very and much thank you to wonder northwest definitely Big thanks to Mary Suzanne Lampkins who handled recording the audio in the panel room there when we recorded episode number one. And as a reminder to folks, this Thursday night at 7.15, Monster Kid Radio is crashing the Clinton Street Theater for a showing of the movie Invaders from Venus, which is a throwback movie, kind of done in the style of the 60s sci-fi movies. And then the following night, as a midnight movie at the Clinton Street Theater, I am introducing and hosting the movie Horror Rises from the Tomb. This is the classic film from Paul Nasche, so that should be a lot of fun as well. You can find out more about these over at monsterkidradio.net or look up Monster Kid Radio on Facebook where we have got the events planned and you can join us there. Look forward to seeing you there, and I'll talk to you next time here on Monster Kid Radio. Thanks.